0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on being established in righteousness. This is part six, I believe. Uh, As I said many times in the past, uh, that we actually have I said five segments, we actually have six segments of this series. We're going to start segment number three, and we're going to be talking about being established in the fullness of His life. As we always talk about being established in the unity of the faith, and we talk about being established in uh, righteousness, and another and subtitle of that is Beholding the their Resurrected Life. Anyway, you can get all of our teachings under uh, archives on our website at myhouseestablishment.org, as well as our YouTube channel, My House Inception Center. And we want to say thank you to all those who partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And in case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website dot org or our YouTube channel. Excuse me. let do two advertisements at once. In order to give, you can go to our website dot org. Go to the give page and all the directions are there. Okay. With that said, let's go ahead and jump right in. Like I said, there's I have six segments of this series. <coughs> excuse me. This teaching series is the foundational teaching series that we teach that I teach in this church, and uh, every once in a while I come back and I I re-teach it. And I've broken this down into six segments over the years, and so uh, we are actually in the third segment right now as we're talking about being established in the fullness of His love. Okay, so I won't be uh, um, recapping what we've covered already because we're in a new segment. So. Um, I will recap sometimes when we're in the same segment for multiple weeks, but uh, you'll have to get all the other teachings in our archives. Okay? And so, with that said, let's go ahead and jump right in. 1st We're going to start with First John chapter 4. Because we're talking about love and being established in his love. One of the best authors on this uh, subject of love was John, the Apostle John. And so, we're going to be looking at a lot of his. Uh, writings, especially in the epistle of 1 John. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So with that said, let's go to First John chapter 4. We'll begin up verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Just a couple things off the bat I want to uh, pick, you, pick you back on here. First of all, he, you know, John just hits it right off the bat by calling us beloved. We're the beloved of God. Okay, and that's a very uh, rich term that's used in, um, in, in scripture. And, um, you know, uh, really, if, if we were all in the same room, there's only one person who's really my beloved in this room, and that's my wife. Okay, and but we are the beloved of God. Okay, and so we—it's—it's it's not improper to, uh, to. To 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 do it among one another because we're the beloved of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, and so he just—he just he, he says just the to back it. We are the beloved of God. I have the wrong scripture on the screen, but in the Psalm, Psalm says, "I am my beloved, and He is mine." With His banner over me. He is love. We'll come across that verse later in our teaching. I don't know if we'll get that for today, but I know I have the wrong, wrong one on the screen, so I'm not going to be showing that one. So, with that said, you know it goes on to say how everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. How do you know someone's born again? Well, they love. Why? Because God is love. <coughs> <coughs> See, love. And there's multiple types of love. And many one, anyone who's been around any good teaching for a while know that uh, there's, in the Greek there's multiple g- words used for love. Well, all the Greek words used for love are verbs except for the word agape. Agape is a noun. See, God is not an emotion. God is a person. He's God. And so, uh, God is love. And the only w- and, unless you are born of God, who is love, you can't have the capacity to love in a agape way. You might love in a, in a friendship way. You might love in a romantic or lustful way. You might love in a lot of different things. But love, agape love, is And those, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God. That's just how you know uh, uh, someone is born of God, because they love. Okay? It's it's a criteria, it's a byproduct, it's a fruit of someone who's born of God. You know, an apple tree is an apple tree because it has apples. You know, an orange tree is an orange tree because it has oranges. You know someone is born of God because they love okay and so, so that's just that's just a byproduct just you, you can't get it any other way than to get tend to, to be born of God and to know God and so you don't have if you are born of God and you know God you don't have to force yourself to love do you see do you see an apple tree forcing itself to produce an apple? Or an orange tree trying to force that orange to come out. I mean, truly, we both, we all don't know what's really going behind the scenes. But i never heard my apple tree grunt or or any of that. You don't know if it's doing it on the inside. But uh, I, all I can do is it just flows naturally from the the source. It's it's it comes from it comes from the seed, and so everyone not just some people but everyone who loves is born of God and knows God and he who does not love does not and he who does not love does not know God it's it's very simple because God is love okay and so as we're talking about uh being established in love what we're doing right here like at the beginning we're defining what love is love God is love Okay, this we're just de- right now at the beginning. We're just defining what love is. Okay, love is of God, and in other words, love suffers wrong and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, does not is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. But bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We can substitute the word here, God. God does not empty. God is kind. God suffers all. God does not pray to himself. God is not puffed up. God does not behave rudely. God does not seek his own. God does not product. God thinks no evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity. God rejoices in the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God never fails. So we can substitute the word because God is love. Okay? And so um, this is just a definition. So going back to our verse, our verses here, we love and let us love one another. Why are we loving one another? Because we're born of God and we know God. So if we're born of God and God is love, his love, him who is love, is loving one another. For I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, well actually, that's coming up on the screen here in just a minute. Okay. I got a little ahead of myself because he goes on to say, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. What do you mean we're not living through him? Because I just quoted it I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live in the flesh by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's go back to verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested. We know God. We're born of God. Therefore, we love. Because God is love. (coughs) And it goes on. In this, the love of God was manifested. God manifested. We're talking about righteousness. Right now we're on a kind of a rabbit trail, purposefully talking about love, but we're connecting, being established in his love with being established in righteousness. The two go hand in hand. Okay? The love of God was manifested towards us. in God sending his son to die for us that we might become righteous. That we might live through him. God never intended for us to live this life. A lone ranger. God intended that we would live through Him. Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. God never had a plan B? He's still on plan A, and God sent His Son so that Jesus would live through, that we would live through Jesus, that we would live through God. This is how the God, God's love was manifested. It was manifested so that you can live your life through Jesus, through God. This is how it was manifested. So that because it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. Why? Because we're crucified. We're crucified. And we the life that we live, we live by faith. The just lives by faith. Romans 1:17. And this, the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Uh, I, uh, let me re-quote re- 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 that. I'm quoting Romans 1:16 to 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth. Therein, that, that's what we in verse 17. Therein, therein what? The gospel of Christ. Is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We're talking about righteousness. Specifically right now we're talking about love, but they go hand in hand. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God, whereby we live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me, we live in the Son of God. We don't, we don't, we don't live outside, or alongside, or with the Son of God. We live in the Son of God. Our faith is in there. We live in Him. We live in Him. We live in Him. That's true. Christ died. God manifested His love so that we might live through. That we might live in him. (coughs) See, righteousness is not right doing. Righteousness is right living. It's living in a relationship with God as one flesh. I'll get there eventually in this segment of our teaching. But just as a husband and wife become one flesh, we become one flesh with God. The whole marriage that God instituted is an allegory of Christ and his love for the church. Through the ages, since the book of Genesis, chapter 1, God has always wanted a relationship with mankind. The second relationship he created was between a husband and a wife. But that husband and wife marriage relationship is an allegory of God's relationship with His church. And that relationship can only take place if Jesus came to die for us so that we can live through Him. That's awesome. We're still just defining what love is. Okay. Love is, God is love. Okay. We are his beloved. God manifested his love towards us. We're the beloved of God. Because we know, we're know we born of God. We know God. He manifests his love towards us that we can live through him. Okay. Not only that, I, I quoted already Galatians 2.20, but it says in Ephesians 3.19 to 20, Paul's prayer, <coughs> excuse me, Paul prayed that we would know this love of Christ, that we would experience this love that surpasses knowledge. God doesn't want us just to know about his love. He wants us to be intimate, to know, as Adam knew his wife Eve, as a man knows a woman, to know the love of Christ which surpasses intellectual knowledge, that she may be filled with all the fullness of I should have highlighted this green because the, that we might be filled to the fullness of God is Christ living in me. It's us living, it's, that we might live through Him. That is what it is. That you may be filled with the fullness of God, that for Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly mm-hmm. of all that we ask or to think mm-hmm. according to that power that works in us. What power works mm-hmm. in us? It's the power of the love of Christ. It's the power of the, of, the, of, Christ, of the resurrected Christ who's living in and through us. That is the power that is working in us. And God's able to do everything we ask, but make according to that power. How did, that, how did this even become possible? Because we know his love. Okay. So what's left? What's love? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked because John's going to answer that. The, so in this, God love God manifested manifested towards us that we might, and that God has sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. But this is love. And he goes on saying, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. <coughs> We're going to stop there for a moment. So, Everything that says so far is defining what love is. Okay? But, so what's love? If all this is true, what's love? What's this love that God manifests towards us? What's love? In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loves us. And sent his son. There's a conjunction here, and. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, because I'm to say, beloved, if God is so, is so, if God so loved us, we all start to love one another. We'll come back to that later, okay? But I want to focus on verse 10 here, which is, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. You know, one of our minister friends. And we went to Bible college, showed his testimony. And I might chop the story up a little bit. It's not a long story, but I'm just going to give a synopsis of it. Arthur Minches, he, he talked about how God came to him one day and said, I don't care how much you love me. And to so some of us, that just, that doesn't sound right. That God would come to us and say, I don't care how much you love me. I want I'm my concern and my focus is that you know how much I love you. And why why is that true? Why is it not important how much we love God? Why is the importance on us knowing that God loves us? I want to slow down and get make this sink in for. God is not so much concerned how much you love him. He's concerned. His ultimate concern is how much you know he loves you. Why? Why do I say such a statement? Why did God say such a statement to our friend dr. our precious? Because First of all, because you can't love God and you can't love others. Until you first know and are established in the back that God loves you. you can't. And I'll, I'll get to it in a, in, a, in a little while. You can't even walk in faith until you know that God loves you. Because faith works by love. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. We'll get there in a minute. Okay? God loves you. See, this is love. Love is not we loving God. So, you, some of you might already be disagreeing with me, Pastor Dave. What you mean is not important that we love God. It just said it. Love is not that we love God. That's not love. I didn't say it. John said, it. by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and there's a conjunction, sent his son to be the propitiation for us. (laughs) What's this word, probitiation? Let's deal with this word, probitiation. Some of you might have a hard time with that. Let alone pronounce it. Let alone also knowing what it is. Probitiation It's a long fancy word that basically means substitute. Jesus died for you. See, we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. So Jesus came. (coughs) We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas here. Jesus came to die so that you can live. Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And, I just had a thought I lost it. But, let me get back to my thought. He who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became your propitiation. He became your sin so that he could die your death. So he could pay the penalty that you deserved. You had a wage. The wage for sin is death. You earned a wage. And that was death. But Jesus became your propitiation. He was a substitute so that you could be the righteousness of God in Him. So, this is love. Not that we love God, but that God, that He loved us in sending His Son to be the substitute, the, the scapegoat for your sins. This, see, God manifested His love towards us that he can live his life to us how can he live his life to us because he became our propitiation love is not about how much you love God love is how much God you know how God loved you and died for you so you become the righteous God and when we understand this and are establishing it we can then love God and we can love one another as God has loved us. We can't do verse eleven until we are established in verse ten and verse nine. And all the surrounding verses. Okay. So. If And we look at this word propitiation. I want to go to another place where it's it's used. Paul uses it. Let's go to Romans chapter three. In Romans chapter three, Paul says, (coughs) "We spent some time with here already. We'll spend more time in, in in preceding lessons. But let's read the context." Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You cannot become righteous and justified by keeping the law. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It's not the knowledge of God, it's the knowledge of sin. But now, when's now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. God's righteousness is revealed now, apart from the law. Be yeah, even though it's apart, it's it's not revealed by the law. It is witnessed by the law and the prophets, and we'll come back and we'll, we'll spend a lot of time with this later on. I have a whole segment to talk about this called testimony of scripture. Okay, in in, the, in this series, I said there's six segments. We'll spend a whole segment on this this last, last part. Okay, verse twenty-two. Even the righteous of God, so. Let's give those back in context. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law of the prophets. There's a comma. Okay? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We, we just talked about faith. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. See, it's not just faith. It's faith in Christ. To all and who all on all who believe. For there's no difference. There's no difference between the rights of God and Christ, of God through faith in Christ and all those who believe. There's no difference. Okay, I'll come back to that later. We'll spend more time on that later. Okay, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I've heard this verse all my life, and it's true. It's a very true statement. And yet, all my life I've heard this word, verse preached and taught. And so people say, that's the gospel. That's not the gospel. There's no good news in that. It's true. It's the word of God. It's true. All have said, and fall short of the word of God. Now that just warms the, I, don't know if I can guess. cockles of your heart. That just gives you Holy Ghost. Goosebumps by reading that verse. i sin and and I fall short of the glory of God. That's true. Because this is true, we needed a Savior. Because we ain't it. You cannot save yourself. Because this is true, you and I earned a wage and it's called death. We've all earned hell. We all deserve to go there. I don't care if you committed one sin or a million sins, or even the top ten sins. You, uh, we have all sinned. Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? We all qualify. I mean, if this was even if it was just on the learning curve, we've all we all arrived. We all pass the test of being short of the glory of God. But there's a comma. If you're going to quote a guy, quote the guy. Quote the scripture. Keep it in common. At least finish the sentence. It's true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, that's good news. That's the gospel. We've all sinned, we all fell short of the glory of God, but we've been justified, declared righteous, the same Greek word for righteous and justified freely. It was freely. We earned death, judgment, and hell. It's our wage. But we were given a gift freely, justification, righteousness, by His amazing grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, whom God sent as a propitiation, that's what we're talking about, by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. There's a lot in this passage here in Romans chapter 3. Let's back up. Okay? Let's go all the way back. No flesh can be justified by the law. The law is a knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law of the prophets. We'll spend more time with this. But the law is, not, is a knowledge of sin. Okay? But now, the righteousness of God is revealed. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ to all who believe with no difference. For all have sinned. Remember, the law is the knowledge of sin. The law reveals that we've all sinned for short. Sure. That's what the law does. The law gives you that knowledge. The only way that you even knew there was sin is because of the law. And the, even though the law revealed that you are you sin, the law can't save you. It can't redeem you. It's called the ministry of death. It's called the ministry of condemnation. It can only condemn. It can only give you death. Okay? It only tells you one thing. You sin and you fall short. Well, we all feel a lot better now. But the law reveals that. But the gospel reveals being justified freely by His grace through the redemption as in Christ. Whom God sent as our propitiation, our substitute, our scapegoat. And He did it by His own blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. I don't want to go off on this too long, but I just saw a Facebook post this morning. Someone saying, why did God send Jesus to pay for our sins? Why did he not just kill the devil? Well, the devil doesn't have any blood. And I don't, I don't have time to explain all that right now. But it does say in Corinthians, if the rulers and principalities of this world, i got a paraphrase, knew what would have taken place by sending Jesus, to the, by killing the king of glory, They never would have done it. What Satan thought was his victorious moment was actually his ultimate defeat. Not only did we become victors and redeemed and justified and declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. Satan. And Satan will die not to redeem us because he can't redeem us. He doesn't have any blood. It's all in the blood. It's the blood that became our propitiation. It's the blood that demonstrated his righteousness. It's the blood that redeemed us by his grace. It's all in the blood. But Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of God, he was born of Mary but the seed did not come from Mary the seed always comes from the male we're celebrating out here at Christmas time when Gabriel came to Mary and said you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit a he a male with a seed okay so that he, Jesus, could become our person. Why did, why did Jesus have to be born? <coughs> why did he, he not just an angel or, or Satan? Because it's in the blood. Mankind's blood, from Adam to till, till, till the last person who was ever born, it's all contaminated by the seed of Adam. Jesus is the new Adam. He's the second Adam. We have the first Adam and the second. See, Jesus was not born of Adam. He was born of a new seed. And it says in 1 Peter 1.23, we are born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. You and I are born again. We're born of God. We know God. And we are born of God. The incorruptible seed of Jesus. Because in this incorruptible seed is the blood of Jesus. But right now, and I'm going to spend more time with with these scriptures in here in Romans chapter 3. But um we're, we're, right now, we're just taking the time away. from look looking at this word, "propitiation." Okay? Probitiation is a substitute, but can also be translated. And you'll see this in some of your Bibles. Uh, I think it's also translated into Amplified, but I could be wrong. But it's also a term for mercy. Jesus was our mercy. Okay? And Jesus was our probitiation. And this is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and became our propitiation by His blood to, through faith. When we put faith in the blood of Jesus, we get de- to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forebearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. It goes on to say, to demonstrate at the present time, that's now, His righteousness That he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, we'll spend a lot of time. This is deep stuff. This is powerful stuff. This is foundational stuff. Because remember, we need to be skilled in the word of righteousness. This is elementary teachings. Okay? But he's demonstrated at the present time. By his blood, through this publication, he is righteous. That he might be just and justify those who have faith in Jesus. So this, we went through this whole side trail. Talk about publication. We'll be coming back to this many times throughout this teaching. We're here. We're really defining what love is. This is love. We're talking about being established in righteous, but we're talking specifically about being established in the fullness of His love. And you can't be established in love if you don't know what love is. This is love. Not that you love God, but that He loved you and became your propitiation. What does that mean? It means that That God, by his blood, through faith, he redeemed you by his blood to justify you by you putting, through faith, of you putting your faith in Jesus. This is love. This whole propitiation is what love is. This whole propitiation is a demonstration Sorry for going so slow and on uh, screen here, but this publiciation is righteousness. This is It's what love is. Okay, and so we'll just keep it there for now. We'll go forward, but this publiciation is what love is. It's what righteousness is. So because that's true. I can use the word righteousness and love simultaneously. Because love is the propitiation. And propitiation is a demonstration of His righteousness. It's awesome. And we need to be established in both. Because they're one and the same. It's a manifestation of His love. It's a manifestation of His gift of righteousness. This is love that He sent His Son to become the propitiation for our sins. Okay. How are we doing? Okay. So let's move to, uh, let's fast forward to verse 16, or first John chapter 4, verse 16. And we know and believe the love that God has for us. See, it's not just enough to... We need to know it But we need to experience. It's not enough to intellectually, oh, I know God loves me. You know how many times I hear that? It's just sick. You know, so many people, through the years, you start talking about the love of God, and they'll say it, they'll kind of snuff at it. I know that. The fact that they told me that, in that tone, with that gesture, and that sniff in it, or that snuff, for everyone to say that, tells me they don't know it. Because if you knew the love of God, you would not respond that way. Okay? And we have known, and believe, excuse me, the love that God has for us. Because God is love. For you to say that, is just, well, I know God. But, but, but by you saying that, in that way, in that tone, and that tone of voice, and with that body language, tells me you don't know and believe. You're not walking in that. You don't know it. Because you would not respond that way. And that's true. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. Why? Because they're one and the same. And God in Him. Because remember... I have it here. Yeah, I have it here. Remember, God wants to live His life through us. It's no longer who we who live, is Christ who lives in us. Okay? And so, when we're talking about, go back here, when we know and believe and love God, we need to abide. In love, which means we're abiding in God and God in us. Which is the whole point of Christianity. See, the whole point of Christianity is not just not sinning and going to heaven. Many people teach Christianity in such a way that's all about living a holy life and not sinning and going to heaven and not going to hell. <coughs> now, Not sinning, living holy, is the main pillar of Christianity. Going to heaven and not going to hell is the main pillar of Christianity. But it's not the main message. The main message is having a relationship with God. And you can't have a relationship with God if you are a sinner and not saved. And there's only one way to get saved, and that is through the blood of Jesus. Believe it Believing on Jesus. True. See, if you can, if the whole point is not just living godly. Many people teach the gospel as if that's the main point. No. Yes, as you live in God and God lives in you, you will live a godly, holy life. It's (laughs) a byproduct. It's called the fruit of holiness. The fruit of righteousness. It's not the root. <coughs> well, Pastor Dave, the, the proof that they're not abiding in God they're not the behavior. That's true. But if you can live holy and righteously without Jesus... Who are you worshiping? You or God? True the fruit. We want to see the fruit of abiding in God and God in us. Which is right living. Godly living. Living like Jesus. Living like God. Because it's not we are crucified. It's no longer I who live, with Christ who lives in me. And Christ in me is not going to go sin. True, I want to see righteousness and holiness as fruit in my life, in your life. But there's only one way to get that fruit. And that is abiding in God. In relationship. So the main message of Christianity is a relationship with God. And out of that relationship comes holiness and righteousness. Because there's only one thing that can make you holy, and that's the blood of Jesus. And the the main message about heaven and hell is that you go spend eternity face to face with your God. The main message about hell is that God does not exist there. Even the most sinful place on this planet, even the most sinful era, and the most carnal, sinful place, God is still here, because the earth is filled with his glory. Nobody on this planet who's ever lived, nobody in this universe who has ever lived, has ever experienced life without God. They might not be abiding in him, and him, he and them, but he's still here. The heavens tell his handiwork. The earth is filled with his glory. God said he would never leave us or forsake us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always here. He's always with you no matter what you're doing. But just because he's here... Doesn't mean that you are in relationship. And the best thing about heaven is not the forever. The best thing about heaven is not that about all the streets of gold and the mansion. The best thing about heaven is God is there and we get to spend eternity within a relationship with Him face to face. True, the penalty for not receiving that is hell a godless hell. But the center cornerstone message is a right relationship with God which God provided by the blood of His Son. Keep going back to this. Okay? God manifested His love. That we might live through Him. That we might have this relationship. And we have none. and believed the love of God past and God is love, and he who abides in love, abides in God, and God in him, and this is love, okay, and so, that's, uh, excuse me, go back here, that's my, where I wanted to go to, okay, there we go, this is where I want to go to, Let's go back here real quick, sorry, I messed up on my slides a little bit. Right, excuse me for that distraction. Okay. So, let me read verse 16 again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And it goes on to say, and love has been perfected among us in this, that we may be have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. in first 17th word I want to get it to you. I wanted the slides to go a little differently, but that's fine. Okay, so hopefully we can catch up with my train of thought. Okay. And so, um, I'm just trying to, I have a footnote here, and I want to make sure I'm not missing something. Okay, So, well, He who abides in love, abides in God, and God in Him. Love has been perfected among us in this. How has love been perfected? See, one thing I love about the Apostle John is he makes the question and he answers it. He just he gets he just cuts to the chase and gives you the answer. Because this is how God manifested his love. God this is how love has been perfected among us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's how God has perfected His love. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why is that true? Why can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous God in Him. There's no judgment because all the judgments have already been placed on Jesus. There's no judgment because God has, through Christ has become our propitiation. He's been our substitute. Because this is true and this is love. See, love is that He's become our propitiation. That's what love is. And because He's become our propitiation and that's what love is. Love has been perfected in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, when you, see, when Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, and God came walking in the, the cool of day, God did not hide himself from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve hid themselves from God. Why? Because they experienced the for the first time in their life, for the first time in history, someone experienced shame. And God, man, Adam, hid themselves from God. But when you know that God, through Christ, took your sin and removed it as far as the east is from the west, your, your sins were red as scarlet, but He made them white as snow. He justified you freely by His grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus becoming your propitiation. Then you have boldness in the day of judgment because you know in the day of judgment you will not be judged because Jesus has been judged for you. Because, I yes, see, yes, so are we in this world. Jesus is the righteousness of God. And we are the righteousness of God in him. As he is so are we in this world. That is awesome! John is preaching the gospel and we need to be established in this. We need to know and believe it. We need to know and believe. Be so established in this love. Abiding in God. God (laughs) excuse me, I repeat this cough. When love has been perfected among us, this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as yes, so are we in this world. We can have boldness. Some of you are so fearful of God judging you. And the fact that you are so fearful of God judging you, you have not been perfected in love. You haven't known and believed the love of God. I don't say that to be mean to you. I say that to help you. Okay? I want, to, some, I want to go to verse 18, but before I go there, I want to still piggyback on this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And by understanding this, we need to get. We're in John 4 16 and 17. Let's go backwards to John chapter, first John chapter three, beloved. If there's a condition, if our heart does not condemn us, and there's only one way you can have boldness in the day of judgment is that you, your heart doesn't condemn you. And we get, we have confidence towards God. See, Adam had confidence towards God till he sinned, and then he had no confidence. He was hiding from God. But if we, if our heart doesn't condemn us we can have confidence towards God. When you are established in His love, when love has been perfected in you, you can have boldness in the day of judgment. Are you following me? If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. We'll come back to this later. See, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 19, 20, if we know his love and surpass knowledge, we'll be filled with the fullness of God. And he is able to do far above beyond. We can ask or imagine according to his power and workingness. When, when we know our hearts don't condemn us, and we have confidence towards God, we can ask anything in his name, and we will receive it. Why? We have confidence. There's nothing blocking it. Okay? Because we, and we go Honestly, because we keep His commandments. And there, there comes the legalistic Christians again. See, Pastor Dave? Our prayers are answered. Our, our, our confidence comes from keeping His commandments. The only way our, our, we don't have no condemnation is because we keep His commandments. And the, the moment that you see commandments, you automatically go to the law. And many people think. That there's no commandments in the New Testament. Well, I need, to, I need to knock over some cows. Some sacred cows. And do those things that are pleasing to the sight. What are his commandments? That's why I like John. Because he tells you a question and then he answers it. This is a commandment. That we should believe on the name of the Son Jesus Christ. And love one another. Why did he tack on and love one another? Well, we know that all the law hinge on loving God and loving one another. All the commandments are introduced to. (coughs) But we also know that we love because he first loved us. When we believe in Jesus Christ on his name, we love one another. As he gave his commandments. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. There's the same language about abiding in him, he in him. And this, is, this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Okay, let's go back here. So we know that we have confidence in the judgment because we've been perfected in his love. We know that we have confidence because we keep his commandments. And what are his commandments? Let, believe believing in his name. Okay? Hopefully that's making sense. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, those who don't, those who don't have confidence towards God, those who are fearful towards God have not been perfected in love. How do I know this? Well, he goes on, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love, and that's agape, casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you fear God like Adam, if you fear God and your heart condemns you, and you don't have any confidence of God, you are being tormented. You're not going to be perfect in love. You can't be perfected in love and have fear at the same time, any more than you can have dry water or cold fire. It's an oxymoron. They don't coexist. See, perfect love casts out fear. You can't have a dark room and a linen room at the same time. When you turn on the light, darkness expels. God never created darkness. He created light. And the light vanishes. See, light casts out darkness. Love casts out fear. That's how it works. There's no fear in love. There is no fear in love. In love. It's not there. If you're fearful, you're not been made perfect in love. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And when you are made perfect in love, you you have boldness in the day of judgment. How can you have fear for the day of judgment and be perfect in love? You can't. See, if you have fear for the day of judgment, if you have fear in Jesus is coming again, if you have fear whether you're going to heaven or hell, going to hell instead of heaven, or however you want to phrase that, then you've not been made perfect in love. But when you know that you know that you know the love of God, when you know and believe the love of God, you have confidence towards God, your heart doesn't condemn you. Whatever you ask, you know that you're going to receive. And you've been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Loving him is subsequent to us knowing and being established in his love. And his propitiation. Because this is love. Not that we love him, but he loves us. I hope this, you get something out of this. It's all connected. And everything I'm teaching right now is the elementary teachings of the Word of Righteousness. See, if you don't understand this, all of your theology about Jesus coming again, hell, and different things is misconstrued because you got the foundation wrong. Okay? Now, we, t- we talked a lot about faith so far, but I want to read something here from Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. I've commented on it a few times. For in Christ, and where are we supposed to be? Abiding in Christ. In Christ in us. But in Christ, Jesus, neither, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Now, there's two main points I want to make with this. The first one is pretty obvious right here. But some of us still need it to be explained, and that's what I want to explain anymore. What's this whole talk about circumcision or uncircumcision? It talk about law, legalism. See, in the Old Testament, before the cross, they have circumcision. Paul goes at length to talk about this and Colossians, and some other uh, passages of Scripture. Okay. See, the Jews, the Jewish law, before Christ, and we know that the law is a knowledge of sin. We also know that the law is a ministry of death and condemnation. We know that the law doesn't reveal the righteousness of God. But we need the law to, to let us know that we are sinners. That we fall short of glory God. We need a Savior. Okay? But, for in Christ, whether you're circumcised or not circumcised, doesn't count for anything. Why? Because you're in Christ. We're in a new covenant, we are in a better covenant. By better laws, better commandments. What do you mean better New Laws? You need to read the Book of Hebrews. You need to w- read the Book of Hebrews from Hebrews chapter seven to Hebrews chapter ten. I just I've done several series on that in the re- uh, this year, even within the last year or two. I've done a, several series walking through those uh, those chapters, goes all the way all the way back to Hebrews chapter five and six, where it says. We should need another elementary teachings. That was all prerequisite to him going into, you gotta remember the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews, the Jews, who were all about circumcision. But here in the New Testament, in Christ, it's not a, it's not an issue. That whole circumcision thing was an allegory. <coughs> Paul brings it down out Colossians of what baptism is all about. We cut off the old man and put on the new man. We're baptized into Christ. We're buried into him with baptism and we're raised out of the water of a new man. It was just an allegory. There's nothing wrong if you got circumcised or not circumcised. it doesn't avail to anything. The only thing that avails to anything in Christ is faith working through love. See, faith works through love. Some translations will say "Work faith works by love. Okay? Why is that important? See, if it's going to be hard for you to have faith, what's faith? Trusting? Relying on? Resting in? It's going to be hard for you to have faith in something, God, the Gospel if you don't trust it. Let, let, let me re-say that. It's going to be hard for you to have faith, trust, reliant on if you don't know that God loves you. If you're still fearing, if you still have fear, that in the Day of Judgment, you're toast, and you have no confidence towards God because you feel like you're condemned. It's gonna be a, you're gonna have a very hard time for your faith to work, and that's why a lot of you struggle with faith. You struggle with faith because you struggle with love. Let me say, let me say this differently. If you are having a faith problem, if you go further upstream, you'll realize that you really have a love problem. Remember I said something from Martha Minches? God doesn't care how much you love Him. He cares how much you know and believe that you know and believe his love for you. Because he who abides in love abides in God. And God now. See, when you've been perfected in love, you have boldness in the day of judgment. When you have not been perfected in love, you are being tormented by fear, by condemnation, And no confidence towards God. Having no confidence towards God is one of the darkest places you can be. Whether you have sinned or haven't sinned. Because anything anything that's not a faith is sin. How do you get your faith to work? You get established in His love. Because when you know that you know that you know God has loved you, when you understand the now, we we'll not go back far enough. <coughs> when you understand propitiation, propitiation means that by his blood, through faith, he demonstrated his righteousness. That he was justified in, 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 ju- in justifying you who have faith in Jesus. When you know and are establishing the love of God, what's the love of God? The love of God is this, that He loved you and became your propitiation. When you're established in His love, that perfect love casts out all fear. And when you're established in His love, I'll go forward now. When you're established in His love, your faith will work. But if you're still wondering, is God gonna zap me? Is God mad at me? Is God judging me? Is God upset with me? <coughs> Excuse me. Is God condemning me? See, if that's your attitude, if that's what you believe, you don't have any confidence for God. That any of your prayers are going to be answered. You don't have any confidence when Jesus comes again. When you, if you're going to be saved or unsaved, when 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 you come to the judgment seat of Christ. And now, I mean, that's 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 the, that's the the heart of it all. But if you don't understand love, and you're not establishing His love, you're going to have a hard time walking by faith and not by sight to receive healing, provision, or anything else you need. You're going to have a hard time getting any of your prayers answered. And it's, not be, it's, it's a faith problem. But that's why. It, it's, but it's more a love problem. Because faith works through love. And if you get this fixed, this will work. That's why we fast. Fasting doesn't move God, fasting moves you. See, God's not the one stuck, God's not the one asking you to answer his prayers. God's not the one that that needs an answer. God's not the one who needs faith. Fasting causes us to shut everything else down, and discipline our own body to hunger and give it thanks. Well, we are fasting, and we are shutting everything else so we can get focused on. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Word of God. Who's God? God's love. We could also say this is the word of love. And when you get, when you shut everything else down, your emotions and everything else and you quiet everything and you get however long it takes, how long do you have fast? However long it takes. It can be a meal, it could be a day, it could be 30 days, 40 days, however long it takes to get you to discipline your flesh to focus on God. And the Word of God will come alive where well, you're not hearing any other voice but what God says. God will speak to you through His Word, God will give you a of word, God will speak to you like He did to Adam in the cool of the day and love and, and faith will work because you now have a love relationship with God and it's powerful I'm going to be wrapping it up right here because I'm going to the next another segment of this uh, teaching on being established love that's a lot longer and I don't want to open that, 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 that can of worms yet um, and not be able to finish it I feel like I also just gave you a lot this morning. I encourage you to meditate on these scriptures. I'm teaching it. But you need to get grounded in the word of God, not Pastor David. Okay. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Everything I'm trying to do, I want you to get established in This is deep stuff, but it's really simple stuff. It's elementary. But elementary teachings are foundational. And when you have a love problem, everything else is off. Your faith is off. You have fear. You're being tormented. You have no confidence towards God. And you can't get along with God and you can't get along with other people because you are not establishing righteousness. You're not establishing love. Hopefully this has meant something. Hopefully this is powerful. We're not done. We're not, not even quite halfway done with this series yet. And like I said right from the beginning, we're not in a race. We'll take as long as we need. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. God bless.